UOK, in association with Electric Ireland. In the darkest times, we're brighter together. Electric Ireland, shining a light on mental health with Pieta and Darkness into Light. While we can't gather for Darkness into Light in the way we usually would this year, we can all share one sunrise together. You can still sign up at darknessintolight.ie to help Pieta raise funds for their vital life-saving services. Hello, thanks for joining me for a special edition of UOK to mark this year's Darkness Into Light, proudly supported by Electric Ireland. We all conform to certain social norms every day, like saying, I'm sorry if you accidentally bump into someone or, you know, not showing up to work in your pyjamas. Although the last year has maybe tested that one a little bit. But we do also experience cultural codes based on our gender, our ethnicity, our sexuality, and these can really become so restrictive that we end up trapped by them. In this edition of You OK, we're going to talk a bit about this specifically in the context of men's experience. We've all heard, you know, the term toxic masculinity, which basically refers to like a series of traits that we characterise as stereotypically male, but they actually foster emotional repression. They curb individuality and as a result can lead to mental health problems like depression. Connor Creighton has been on his own journey with this. He was once an aggressive footballer, a war reporter. He's now a meditation teacher and author and someone with a real passion for dismantling these constructs that hold us all back from expressing our true nature. Connor and his pal Cameron Hassard wrote a book called How to Talk to Me, A Manual for Men. And in it, they describe something called the man box. So let's start there. Connor, can you tell me what is the man box? The man box is, is a term and I believe it was coined or at least um, the credit was given to a uh, behavioural psychologist called Mark Green. And the man box is very simply how men um, in certain parts of the world are conditioned. And it's a little bit like a kind of a behavioural code. And um, just to make it sort of practical at a certain level, this just men will recognise in their own lives that when they go to, to, to buy clothes, the clothes will invariably come in navy, black, grey or camo. And, and this is kind of part of the man box where there's certain things that men can do and certain things that men can't do in the same way that kind of, you know, even like th this will extend to, say, certain foodstuffs. Is sushi something that a man can eat or should a man be eating a steak, you know? And mm -hmm. so th this man box is kind of like it's like a behavioral code that is, is very flexible and it grows and it changes. And depending on what sort of a man you are and where you've grown up, your man box will either be a little larger or a little smaller. But I know for myself, like when I was growing up in the 80s in Ireland, the man box also included things like you could not play with girls, you didn't cry, and there were certain sports that you didn't play. You know, I like for a little while I played um, hockey, like field hockey, and I mm. loved it. But then I was told that, no, 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 that's a girl's game. So it didn't fall into this brief kind of and restrictive parameter that is the man box. Man box. So at one level, like the man box is this very sort of cultural phenomenon 
of restrictions placed upon men by other men. Um, but at another level, at a much more insidious level, it's the reason that men are depressed and don't ask for help. It's the reason that men don't go to doctors. It's the reason that men won't explore their emotions with other men. I think an awful lot of my work with men has been about trying to recognize this man box and then burn it to the ground. Just as you say there about your work and trying to recognize it, I'm curious about when you first start to realize that there's a man box. You know, as young boys, do you just suddenly turn around one day and you're in this box? You never really see it and you may live your whole life without knowing you're in the box. What's the level of awareness around this phenomenon? It's the same level of awareness that fish have of water. You know, it's sort of, you you grow up in it. It's around you all the time. Nobody really knows. We're talking about an isolated box here, but there's certainly the woman box. There's we all have individual boxes too. There's, there's, there's the, there's the, a queer box. There's a person of color box. There's a white box. You know, there's all different kind of limits and restrictions. The man box is sort of something that I've tended to focus on a lot because I think it's the source of so much misery for men. And when men kind of realize that that, that this exists and that what they're doing, like so many of the decisions that they're making, are based upon these sort of unspoken rules rather than their own personal preferences. You may not actually like chicken fillet rolls, but because chicken fillet rolls fall very squarely inside this man box, that might be the thing that you feel you have to order when you're at the deli counter. Yeah. With other men or just in general? Or just in general. I mean, this is the wonderful thing about conditioning is that you don't even need the conditioners around you after a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you become so so used to this, you become so socialized to this, that, that whenever there's a kind of a... An inclination, what I would call like your kind of your your true nature comes up. Like if you're, hmm. do you know what I mean? If you're if you're shopping or something and you want to say buy a bolder color, or you're at home and you're like, actually, I do want to watch Bridgerton instead of Formula <laughs> One, or, <laughs> or or you know, for example, you're like, I would love to just have a cry and have a bath, yeah, rather than no, I'll have a cold shower and and go for a thirty k run or something like this. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm just I'm picking kind of like colloquial examples of what sure. I think some people might consider to be macho and what some people would consider to be not macho. Mm. But these are things that kind of in the end just drag us away from who we really are. I definitely feel that our, our purpose here in this lifetime is to really kind of explore who we are and then feed those needs to be authentic. And I can imagine, you know, based on how you're describing it, that tension between an individual's true nature and this thing that they're conditioned to be, that they're not even really aware is coming from outside of themselves. And this constant sort of tension between what I'm I'm really drawn to, as you say, the bolder colour, or I'm drawn to having really in-depth conversations where I'm really vulnerable and can feel comfortable crying versus having to constantly contain my feelings. Yeah. Uh, even just dancing there's certain ways that like a man like inside this man box there's certain ways that a man can dance yeah um and certain ways that a man certainly can't dance and i mean this is we we are not that black and white you can't put us all into pigeonholes like this and this this is ultimately like the root cause of so much of the misery amongst men which we men then kind of 
share with the rest of the world. When Connor was 21, a tragedy happened. When his best friend died by suicide. I remember the night before he did it, we were both in a pub on Suffolk Street called The Thing Moat, mm. and we were drinking pints. And he was saying, God, my head's, my head's like torturing me these days. And I sort of turned to him and I was like, oh, Jesus, yeah, the thoughts I'm having, you know. And we both kind of looked at each other and... Um, I don't want to curse here on radio, but we're like, oh, effort. Mm. Like, what can be done? Let's have another pint. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, this is the high point of emotional intelligence amongst men in 90s Ireland. Really kind of spurred on by that was like, OK, I want to get to the bottom of my own depression. I want to get to know why, why it's so difficult for me to talk about these things and why I don't really have friends around me, male friends, who, who can talk about this. That, that kind of was this, I guess, the sort of the spur for my own kind of work on myself, which then led me to kind of working with other men and, and setting up things like, like the Boys Club in Dublin, which is just a place where men can come together and uh, experience real talk in a non-judgmental environment. I'm really sorry that that, that, that happened, Connor. And mm. just as you describe it, it's so familiar you know, you you hear oh, it know, so right? often. It's so familiar. You know, the amount of people where somebody takes their own life and there's, you know, just so many conversations. If I saw him yesterday or I was speaking to him, he seemed to think he was fine. Like the, he said he was grand. You know, these things where people just give the party line of, ah, you know, I'm grand. And I can imagine at the moment in something like the pandemic, there's a lot of that, even though people, there's a sense that people are maybe a wee bit more open because it's so much more universal, the experience of struggling with it. Mm. But nonetheless, it is such a stock answer. And even when you see behind someone's eyes that they're not grand, we often just collude Mm. in the illusion and go, oh, yeah, sure, I know, and move on. And we don't press maybe that little bit more or just ask a follow-up yeah. this is our own fragility you know yeah. there's definitely a thing you know we, we 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 avoid this you know you avoid people who are grieving you avoid people who've just had a breakup mm. Be- because we're kind of worried that it might be contagious <laughs> yeah. and you know we notice this so often you know like when a friend is in a bad place you're like oh he's such a buzzkill you know <laughs> this is sometimes the language that we use yeah and it's it's I think like when we can come to a place where we can recognize that the more we can kind of sit with this uncomfort, which is really that kind of or discomfort, I mean, to say, where's my English? <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the more we can sort of sit with this mm. and the more we can kind of recognize, you know, the, the more we can kind of just experience the human condition. Yeah. And that we can recognize how interconnected we are and that, you know, mourning is something that we all get visited by. Depression is something that we all kind of will experience at different stages. But the more familiar we can become with these places that scare us, because I think the reality is that mental health is something that scares us because we're also aware of how fragile we are. But by talking about this, by sharing it and by definitely by recognizing that largely we're all together in communities, not to kind of improve our economic standings and so on, but to heal. Yeah. This is why we come and this is why we meet. This is why relationships happen. If they're opportunities for intense healing, uh, be that in friendships or romances or families. 
and I think kind of the more we can just perhaps accept this and get used to this, the better we will just be as a society at, at taking care of ourselves and our most vulnerable. mentioned there when you were talking about uh, the boys club in Dublin, this idea of real talk, that it was a club where people could come together and the only kind of yeah. rule effectively was real talk. What is real talk? Real talk is basically me saying, Jan, how are you? And you not saying, Ashram Grand. <laughs> it's, it's, it's you coming back to me and saying, you know, Connor, like it's tough. I'm trying to make a fist of things, but, you know, I'm a little disillusioned with my life at the moment. I don't know if I want to live in the city anymore. I don't know if my relationship's the right one for me. And it's it's being open and it's being vulnerable and it's admitting your weaknesses. As young men, as young boys, like we go to school. I remember me like I was the sweetest little kid in the world. Like my mom ran a play school. Oh, so do you know what I mean? I pretty yeah. much like I didn't leave the boob until I was five. <laughs> do you know? Like, do you know, like I was I, I was do. with my mother from like when 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 I was conceived until I had to go to like uh, baby big school. Infant. <laughs> yeah, big, so I was just like the softest, chillest little kid in the world and then went there. I was like, holy hell, there's other people around. And, oh. you know, I, I remember kind of like making that mistake of calling my teacher mom, and, oh, you know, doing yeah. things like this. And I've been very kind of like thinking the world was like a very safe and gentle place. Mm. and uh, learning very at a very young age there like hold on you can't be weak here you can't like I had an older sister we used to play with fancy paper and stuff like this yeah. and dress up and things like this and I learned very quickly and she goes oh you better not do that Connor so we kind of learn young boys learn and, and young girls do too but I, I know much less about their experience but young boys we learn that kind of being vulnerable is is the kind of number one way to getting to being bullied yeah. So we, we act tough and then we never stop acting tough. And then we end up in relationships with partners and our partners are kind of looking at us going, what is wrong with you? Why can't you just tell me what's going wrong with you? And we kind of look back at them like some sort of like, like a broken printer feed. You know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of like system error. I don't know what you're looking for here. <laughs> I don't know how to access these emotions. I don't know how to interpret them. It's like a weird disease that's flowing through my body. And, and so real talk is like learning that the emotions inside you are valid mm. and that there is language to help to reveal these emotions to the people around you. Mm. Thing is with men is that from, a, from this youngest age, we get told that the one emotion that is accepted is anger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the sports field, you know, you're like, oh, he's, he's angry. It's great. Or kind of being like, you know, boys will be boys, all this kind of language. So our sadness, our depression, our loneliness, all of this gets filtered into anger. Yeah. And, and I don't need to talk to you about how dangerous that is for the world. Like I remember I used to play, I used to play in a football team in, in my late 20s and early 30s like it was a seven aside team mm. and um but we took it so seriously you know we trained twice a week with <laughs> jerseys and kind of <laughs> diet plans and the whole lot and you'd get a you'd get an earful if you'd had a few drinks the night before a game and I, I remember it was at the high point of my depression I was so aggressive 
people kind of wouldn't know it to sort of see me now but like you know I had a reputation I was sort of like I'd I would cut people down and I would start fights on the field I just remember one game like I was I think I was about 30 32 at this stage or 33 and I was playing against some 21 year old who was so fast he was like lightning <laughs> and um I was 33 and I was beginning to recognize my age and I was just angry and pulling at his shirt the whole time and kicking at his ankles and you know even like squaring up to him and he just looked at me and he was like he just turned to me and he just goes what's wrong with you wow <laughs> wow and I, I quit I quit football after that and started therapy <laughs> god you owe that guy a coffee <laughs> I, I I do and I hope he's I hope he's gone on to be like an incredible footballer because he was so good When you talk about, I'm just conscious in the, for people listening who may not have opportunities in the past to have practiced real talk, or maybe it's probably more accurate to say, maybe anxious about practicing real talk or not know how to do it. You have some kind of, I guess, practical sort of action points that people can take to sort of help them get started. Because sometimes it's like Mm. a blank page if you have to write something. If if you at least have some headings to kind of populate underneath, it can be useful. Well, well, Jan, what you just said there is totally it. Like, take a blank page. Your real talk can begin with yourself. Mm. And it can just simply be like you write down that kind of... Like, here's the simplest thing. Like, get a blank page and write at the top of it, what is my heart's desire? And mm-hmm. maybe nothing will come out. But keep coming back to that blank page. There's a part of you that wants something beautiful in this life. There's a part of you that has a great dream. And because of this man box, you might have buried that dream. You might have thought, oh, no. Like maybe you were a kid and you were like, I would love to go to Borneo and work with monkeys. <laughs> but you're like, I can't do that. I, I should go work at PricewaterhouseCooper or something <laughs> like this. Or I should go work for like a concrete company. You know, I don't know, what, whatever everyone else was doing. Yeah. But your heart's desire was to work with monkeys in Borneo. And that doesn't go away. And, mm. and so I think like coming back to this, I'm always amazed at how many people actually end up in places that are so toxic for them and make them so miserable. And I think so much of this is because we're not having the real talk with ourselves. So even just to begin, like, what's my heart's desire? And then even like you can take it a little further, like kind of try and sort of ask your friends like questions like kind of, um, have you noticed any changes in you this year? Because everyone has noticed huge changes. Yeah. We've all undergone like a deep spiritual experience. Even if you don't believe in spirituality, this this kind of being forced to be alone without all our toys is like <laughs> spirituality 101 that's like going living in a cave in the top of the himalayas in tibet like that's what it's all about i wanted to direct people to a book that you wrote a little sort of manual called how to talk to me brackets Men, close brackets. I'm not sure how to yeah. how to actually say it, Connor, because it's it's such a visual gag. When you say it. Not even it's, to call it a gag, true. but yeah. <laughs> how to talk to me? A manual for men. As a non-man, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, so that was that was a little book that I did with a very good friend of mine, Cam Hazard, and it was designed by another great friend of mine, Keith Nally. That was his gag, how to talk <laughs> to me, how to talk to men. Cam and had been a member of, I had a, a boys club in Berlin too, the Berlin Boys Club, and Cam mm. and myself were always kind of there talking about a lot of these things. And um, we wrote this together. And it's just a very simple guide for men on how to talk to each other. It's, it's, a, it's like, what can we talk about when it's not all banter? Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's basically it. It's like, how, do you, how would you even begin to sort of talk to another man about your insecurities around sex or your relationship with your dad? The fact that you feel a little kind of crap about yourself. Mm. And we, 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 we have this sense, man, we have this idea, and this is, again, the man box, that being depressed is a sign of weakness and and this is so wrong and it's so unfair and it's so cruel because the number one antidote for for being depressed is community yeah and connection i was just thinking connor you know when you were talking about yourself on you know playing that football match and you know cutting up <laughs> 20 year olds and you know <laughs> hatcheting the legs from under horrible. them <laughs> yeah. you know you then versus you now like what would you have thought if you could look into the future and be like I'm a meditation teacher I you know I'm writing these books about being in the moment about my experience of navigating my way out of this sort of toxic masculinity type space what would you have thought at that point would you have eye rolled what would you have done oh my god I would have eye rolled to heaven I would have been <laughs> who is that soft spoken cheery Idiot! <laughs> like, look at look at him with his with his with his wholesome way of being with himself. Like he he doesn't know a real life. But that's the thing too. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of I know that people will be listening to this and will even be annoyed by it. You know, or or maybe even you might even be a little angry. You know, and mm. and and I I know this because I know myself that eight years ago, if I'd been listening to myself right now, it would have made me a little bit angry. I would have said this guy's full of SH1T, mm. do you know, and he doesn't know what's up. And I would just say, be really curious about that. Be curious about the things that get under your skin, because they are often some of the greatest teachings in disguise. We become very attached to the box. Mm. You know, I was at that time, I was like, I was I was writing novels. I was a war reporter. Mm. I was like, I really wanted to be um, connected to the misery of the world mm. because that's also what I was connected to in myself. It's an addiction, you know? Mm -hmm. I was addicted to this kind of this idea of it's a Friday night, I'm on my own, I'm drinking two bottles of wine and I'm at the typewriter. You know what I mean? I had yeah. this weird idea of like, this is how to live a life. And, you know, it, my Friday nights now, I'm drinking chamomile tea and I'm in bed at night. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> sort of, and there would have been a big eye roll from that fella. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, totally. Do you know, kind of and like, um, so it's it's sort of just, I think, like, this, be aware of of what you're attaching to. Be aware of what you are accepting as a life. Mm -hmm. Uh, like like Mary Oliver, the poet, she has this beautiful line and she goes, are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? Oh, that always nails me to the spot. It's mm. like, really, are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? 
there is so much beauty out there and so much potential within mm. you mm. and it's all there everything's been set up for you to access this I loved that chat with Connor and you know as you can tell by listening to him he's not a preachy guy like he's speaking from his own lived experience and that tone runs through everything from his writing to his meditation teaching so if you want to check out how to talk to me a manual for men you can access it for free at meditatingwithconnor.com forward slash read and he also has loads of like guided meditations there for you to try or you can join him for a free drop-in meditation every wednesday morning on his instagram page at connor creighton I hope you enjoyed that chat and that it gave you food for thought about the different boxes we all inhabit. You know, every chance it brought up some tricky emotions for you. And if you want to explore those further and talk to someone, please reach out to Pieta, who offer free therapy, no referral needed. And you can find out more at pieta.ie. If you or someone you know is really struggling at the moment, contact their 24-hour crisis line on one 800 247 247 or text help to 51444. If you're participating in Darkness into Light this year, I've no doubt you'll find it healing and inspiring. Be sure to share your pictures on social media and really show everybody that wave of support and encouragement that's out there. Thanks so much for listening. Mind yourself and we'll talk again soon. If you'd like to hear more on the topic of mental health, check out I'm Fine on RTE Player from May 10th. You OK, in association with Electric Ireland. In the darkest times, we're brighter together. Electric Ireland, shining a light on mental health with Pieta and Darkness into Light.